Hello, Raj. Thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast. I'm really pumped for having you as a guest on my podcast. Can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about your story, your background. Sure. First of all, I want to thank you, Walid, uh, for having me on this podcast. I'm super excited as well. So a little bit about me. Again, my name is Raj Subramayar, and I'm a tech career strategist. So I help people specifically in the tech industry to find their dream jobs and become successful leaders in the industry. I've been in the tech space for over 15 years, and I've gone through so many different roles, and I use those experiences to help people. So that is the main part of my job. Um, I also write for a lot of publications and tech companies, and finally, I speak at a lot of uh, conferences and private events for companies as well. So that's what I do. In terms of my story, yeah, it's a long story, but for your listeners, <laughs> I'm going to keep it succinct within two, three minutes. But yeah, as and when I go through the story, yeah, we can keep talking about various other topics as well. So let's start with my story. So I grew up in the southern part of India from a place called Chennai. And for those those of you listening, Chennai is uh, one of the bigger cities in India. It's the, one of the five major cities in India where uh, the revenue, the business, the growth of the country comes from as well. So Chennai is uh, really famous for IT as well, just like Bangalore. But yeah, that's where I come from. And since a young age, I uh, developed this inferiority complex that I wasn't good enough and I didn't matter. This was partly because of my childhood upbringing where my dad was super smart. Like since he was born, he studied in scholarships. And then you had my brother who is like a genius. He has three masters and a PhD. And then there I was, the average Raj, who didn't do well in academics, sports, dating, you name it, right? I was average in everything. So I was constantly getting compared to other overachievers around me by my parents, saying you have to be like my brother, you have to be like my cousins, like who are, who are really good in academics. And uh, you may kind of relate to, the, relate to this, Waleed, but in my culture, Academics is pushed quite a bit, right? And when you grow up, you're pretty much given only three choices, doctor, lawyer, or engineer. And I chose the engineering path. And that's how I am in tech space right now. A true story. And constantly comparing myself to other people and being compared to other people developed this uh, feeling of anxiety. I felt like an outcast because every time I live try to live up to other people's expectations, I ended up getting disappointed because I could never live up to people's expectations. So I started feeling like an outcast. I developed this fear of rejection, fear of being judged, fear of being ignored. And um, I was in a shell. And this kind of uh, continued throughout my childhood. And then it happened. I still remember this vividly because it was my second year of my undergrad and I was in my study room and all of a sudden my chest started hurting and I could feel my heart beating really fast like tuck, 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 tuck. and I thought I was getting a heart attack <laughs> but now I came to realize that it was my first panic attack and the pain in my chest slowly started moving towards my head because right now it was not just my physical pain, but it was also my mental pain because all these feelings of being depressed, being stressed, being ignored over 15 to 20 years, all these feelings which had bottled up inside me, it exploded. The Pandora box of feelings opened up and for two hours, I was uh, sitting in my study room and profusely crying because I realized that all this while I was letting other people's opinions be my reality. I was trying not to disappoint other people, but in that process, I was disappointing myself. 
And that's when I got this epiphany that, man, I've wasted so much time in my life. And I have the skill set to do great things. I have the mindset to do great things. And that's when I decided, you know what? Screw this. I matter. I'm good enough. I'm going to strive for greatness. I'm going to carve my own identity, right? And that's when the real transformation happened. Anyways, fast forwarding to 2021, I've gone through so many different experiences, failures, and successes, which has transformed my life from a shy, introverted kid earning a minimum salary into an international keynote speaker, author, and tech career strategist uh, earning a six-figure business, right? And that transformation happened because of that trigger event which happened during my second year of my undergrad. And right now, I help other people who are like me to make a positive career and personal life transformation. So that's kind of a whole history of where I came from and why I do what I do right now. I love it. And you know, when you said for our parents because india or morocco i would i believe that for our parents there are only five careers engineer a doctor a lawyer a teacher or shame so i firmly believe in that when you were talking about this point the comparison and always our parents are comparing us for example when we were in elementary school and you get let's say an average mark the first thing that they do is your friend what was his mark and exactly it's really yeah yeah and it's really disappointing for ourselves because it makes us feel like we are not worthy we are not good enough so years after years we start developing a low self-esteem how did you move from the feeling of being overwhelmed by the guilt of always being compared to someone else to be the person that you are today? Because I know it's not something like you you switch on and off and you get over overnight. It's not, it's something that takes a lot of time, a lot of hard work. So how did you do Great it? Great question. So first of all, it starts with shifting your mindset from a place of scarcity to abundance. So what do I mean by that? We all live in this artificial world where we think everyone is watching each and every step we take. Uh, everyone is there to get us. Everyone is there to one-up us. But the actual reality is no one gives a shit about you except you're probably a few trusted friends or family members because everyone has their own story, has their own problems, and everyone are progressing in their, in their own way. So you have to realize that first, that uh, you are in control of your journey, you are in control of your own life, and that starts with a mindset shift, right? So that's the first thing. The second thing which I did to help me get to this level was I just took a paper and pen and started writing down a list of my fears. So I had fear of being judged, fear of um, uh, rejection, fear of public, public speaking, fear of being ignored. So I wrote all these fears down. And then I decided to tackle each of these fears one by one. I came up with the strategy of what I wanted to do. I methodically started dissecting my fears. So let's take a couple of examples. So first example could be uh, fear of uh, failing, which was one of my fears. So why do I have that fear of failing? So I started analyzing it. And the main reason I had the fear of failing was uh, I was going to let the society down and other people down. But when I came to the realization that, you know what, screw other people, I'm doing this for myself, it really helped. So when I came to the US, United States in 2008 as an immigrant, I still remember this because um, it was one of uh, the highlight moments in my life. So I came in on August 31st, 2008. And on September 7th, 2008, 
Lehman Brothers, one of the biggest financial firms, which was uh, who were uh, present in 2008, became bankrupt. And that kind of triggered the whole recession. And uh, getting jobs during that time was really hard. And as an immigrant, if you wanted to work in the United States, you needed companies to sponsor your work permit. And no one was ready to sponsor me. So I was left with two choices. One was um, leave and go back to India from where I came from with half of my international students. So I came to do my master's in software engineering here in the U.S. and half of them were international students. So half of them left uh, and I had the option of just uh, taking that path. Or the second option was do whatever it takes and see what can happen. And luckily, I chose a second option. And that one decision I made was instrumental in every aspect of my growth, right? And the reason I was able to make the decision was I didn't have the fear of uh, failing because I realized that I was doing it for myself. And what does what that does is it fuels your fuels you to do more things when you have that mindset. So from the beginning of 2009 till end of 2009, I applied for 1,293 jobs, one, two, nine, three jobs. And guess how many callbacks I got from 1,293 jobs? <laughs> That's a great zero. Guess. So I got four callbacks and I converted one job out of it and that too it was not a full-time job but it was an internship and for all the your math all the math nerds listening to this it's a 0.3 percent conversion rate and um, i worked my ass off for six months to prove to people that i can do the job and luckily converted that into a full-time job and the rest was history so that was the one story of how like realizing that i'm doing I'm in control of my destiny. I'm in control of my life and no one else is going to do the work which I have to do. Uh, that helped, right? And that was because of the fear of uh, failure and I got over that. And just one more example, which would be helpful for your audience because I get this a lot, quite a bit when I speak at a lot of conferences. So in 2011, I got this email which said that there was this uh, software conference happening in Seattle. And usually when I get those emails, I immediately delete it. But with this email in particular, I kept looking at it for five, 10 minutes because there was, that email was speaking to me. And the reason was till 2011, for about 30 years, I had this trauma, I had this uh, fear of public speaking. I was a nervous wreck. Like even talking to a girl would feel as if I'm getting going to get a nervous breakdown. And talking in meetings, it was so hard for me. And every once in two days throughout my life, I was reminded about this and it used to haunt me. And I made a decision when I had the trigger event to overcome my fears. And here I am looking at this email about this conference and I decided, you know what? It's time that I conquer my fear of uh, public speaking. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I think it's going to start with going to this conference and learning. And I I uh, spent $3,000 on my own money. And at that time, I was broke. I didn't have money. So I used my credit card to go to this conference on my own accord. And there, I was able to... Uh, be be more comfortable speaking to people because uh, I didn't have that fear of being judged because it was a totally different state and no one is going to know me. And there I started seeing all these speakers giving different talks and there were some good talks and there were some bad talks. And frankly, seeing those bad talks gave me this epiphany that here I am always complain complaining that I have the sphere of public speaking, but what better way than actually becoming a speaker to get rid of that fear? So to cut a long story short, 
I started networking with all the speakers at the conference. I took a lot of notes. And then in 2012, I started speaking in small, small meetup groups because I felt more comfortable. And then in 2013, after seven months and 23 trial runs, I gave my first conference stock and it was a huge hit. And that set set, set the path for my uh, speaking uh, uh, career. And fast forwarding to 2021, I've spoken at 100 plus conferences. I've done eight keynotes. Uh, and before this, uh, we started recording this, Waleed, I was telling you that I'm going to give two TED Talks this year. And all these things would not have happened if I didn't push myself out of my comfort zone. So just to summarize, for your question of how did you make the transformation, it starts with your mindset, sh shifting your mindset, and then start listing down your fears and tackling them one by one. Because uh, the difference between people who want to become legends and who are legends is the people who actually do shit. And that's where it all boils down to. And it starts with mindset and then coming up with a strategy to conquer your fear. So that's that's what happened in my life. Amazing. It just reminded me of let's do epic shit. And you are doing some really epic shit. I'm really curious about one advice that you can give to some like to young Raj who mm -hmm. was 17 years old. What would be your advice? My main advice to people would be don't let other people's opinions be your reality. That is number one. Because this is the thing. We choose to associate ourselves with different labels which people give. Some people say you're great. Some people say you suck. Some people say, oh, this is the best path for you. Some people say, no, this is the wrong path for you. And we choose what labels we want to attach ourselves with, right? And it come, and it's our choice. And we have to remember that. Quite often what happens is we just uh, take these labels which people give us and then use that as our identity. And uh, it it is a big obstacle for your growth. So don't let other people's opinions be a reality. In fact, the funny thing is I remember I was watching a TV show and uh, I believe this TV show is called... Um, New Girl is super funny. I highly recommend it. And in, and one of my favorite characters says this, and it is so profound. And th this is what he says. When I look into my suggestion box, it is full. People have a lot to say about the way I live my life. But I pay attention to only one comment card. You know what the card says? It says, great job, and now keep it up. And you know who filled up that card? Me. And you know how I know? Because I recognize my mother freaking handwriting. So that is so true. <laughs> people have a lot of things to say about how you live your life. I would say screw other people and live a life for yourself because you have only one life and it, you have to decide in which path you want to go to. And that is my biggest ad advice, which is don't let other people's opinions be your reality. hundred percent. And sadly, a lot of people, they live by others opinion about them and it really makes them so fucking unhappy and it's really so sad that people they choose such paths and right now that we are talking about paths i'm really curious about something when you were talking about when you were born like mm -hmm. hey raj is going to be an engineer so i'm curious like what was your dream job when you were to be kid. frank with you i was uh, so into my own shell that uh, i stopped thinking about how the future looked like i thought 
since my parents and everyone told me that I was not good enough. So I didn't actually take the time to think what my future self would look like. I just took it for granted that, okay, this is who I am. I'm going to be an introverted, shy kid throughout my life. And so be it. So I didn't have the freedom or the space to think like that. But once I had that realization and decided to transform, my only goal was to overcome my fears and make people notice me no matter what. And I decided that, you know what? I'm going to make people notice me. I'm going to build my own fame, credibility, and impact people. That was my only goal. And I had a really broad and open mind in the sense Whatever opportunities come my way, I'm going to take it and see what happens with that. And having that mindset really helped me because I started off as a a software developer. And then I moved into software testing, which is a developer trying to fix problems in your software. And then I went through so many different leadership roles. And then I got into a role called what is it's called developer evangelist, which is speaking at different conferences, doing R&D, being the face of the company. And now I'm running my own business. So all those things would not have happened if I have not kept myself open, kept my mind open to different opportunities. So frankly speaking, I didn't have any particular thing I wanted to become, but the only focus was to keep growing and then uh, keep going one step at a time. And right now, I can't even believe since where I started and what I'm doing right now, I've done so many different things, which is uh, crazy. Yeah, it's really fascinating because the journey is really interesting, all the struggles that you have been through in life, and now you are the gentleman that you are. It's just fascinating. This reminds me of someone that I know who is really going through some bad shit. And, you know, she, that person, I believe that she really has some great potential to, to do really amazing things, but... The issue is she she denies jobs because she doesn't believe in herself and she is saying that she needs to work on herself first to grow as a human being, then start working on, on jobs. And I always say to her, listen, there is no such thing that pause in your life, getting yourself, your shit together, then getting a job. It doesn't make any any sense to me because... Mm-hmm. Life is about, it's a journey. It's something that you go through. You have to do both. You have to work I do agree. While because work. a lot of what us you think uh, about this? Put, off, put off stuff saying, you know what? First, I'm going to work on myself and then other things. But we have to start analyzing the reason for that. And when you start analyzing it, majority of the time, it's because you're afraid to do the other thing. Because as humans... We are trained to do things which are comfortable to us. And whenever there's something which pushes pushes, pu- pushes us out of our comfort zone, then we get intimidated and uh, we come up with reasons to avoid it. So for your friend, she may have legitimate reasons in the sense she may think that, you know, I want to work on myself first, which is fine. I'm not saying that's wrong, but it's really important to analyze why you're doing what you're doing, why you're procrastinating, why you're not working on another thing. And to your point, I would just time box things because uh, as you were saying, there's never a right time to start anything because the right time is right now. And uh, just because you're working on yourself doesn't mean everything else in the world for you has to stop. You can time box it saying, for example, uh, on Monday, you would say for three hours, I'm going to do a mind dump where I write down all my thoughts and then figure out my routine, uh, do some journaling. And then for another two hours, I'm going to start applying for jobs and then figure out what I want to do. So you can time box it. There's this great book uh, by Cal Newport called Deep Work. 
and it, it had a profound effect on how I do things. He talks about having time box sessions to focus on one particular cognitively demanding task with no interruptions. And that's how I run my life for the past four years. I can produce at a really high level because I do time box focus sessions on multiple things. Uh, I carve out Monday, Tuesday as my meeting days, then Wednesday, my podcast days, Thursday, my content days, and Friday, admin days. And I make sure I have trained my mind to immediately focus on different things based on the days. And it's just not me, but a lot of people do that as well. So coming back to your friend, that's why it's really important to ask yourself why you don't want to apply for jobs. Are you frightened? Is that the real reason? If so, it's fine. You're frightened, but okay, let's talk about how to figure out how to get past that. Take small, small steps because the problem is, yeah, I know people talk about hairy, audacious goals and stuff. I frankly do not believe in hairy, audacious goals because I think people have a wrong connotation of it. For example, I want to become a speaker. That's a great goal. But how are you going to get to become a speaker? You need to start narrowing down the scope. It may start with, okay, start to maybe attend a course on speaking. Start to like record yourself for five minutes and see what are the different things you want to improve on. Start to read about speaking. Start to read about read books about how to give talks. Uh, watch some TED Talks and see how the speakers speak. So there's so many small, small steps which actually boils down to that big goal of uh, becoming a speaker. So that's what people have to realize that Whatever goals you have, you need to break it down into small, 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 small chunks. And that's how slowly you start progressing. I'm a big believer in folk doing small, small, small things and uh, breaking down any task into small things. And that, and once you start achieving the small things, you'll reach your goal. So that is my take on it. When people push something aside, you need to really analyze it and then break it down into smaller chunks. I love it. 100% I agree with you. And, you know, the thing is, I'm really curious about something. Like, I always said that I'm really lucky. I don't know if it was luck or something else, but since I was a kid, like I always, when people ask me, what do you want to do with your life? I always answered with two things. And like, since I was a kid, it was the same answer. And it was either musician or entrepreneur. So I suck at, at music, but I have a great taste in music and listening to music. But if you ask me to produce any kind of music, man, <laughs> it's horrible, like for real. But I'm lucky that I'm living the dream of being an entrepreneur. So my question is, mm -hmm. whenever you are working with people, do you like the majority of people that you meet are they working or on on the fields they were dreaming of working when they were kids or the majority of people they have gone through some shift that they are not interested in into yeah that's a great question so I, jobs I see anymore. two personas of people one who are in the job they wanted but they feel stuck and do not know what the next step is for them. And they feel that they cannot go any further right now. And they're looking for a change. They're looking for guidance. That is one uh, personas of people I work with. And usually all my clients are mid to senior level folks in the tech space. And that's who I coach. And that's first persona. The second persona of people are people who want to get into the tech space. Or they're already in the tech space. but they realize that they're probably at the wrong job and they are trying to see what are the other jobs they can do within the tech space itself or non-tech folks trying to get into the tech space, right? So that is the second persona of people. So usually it all boils down to one thing where just because other people are 
are doing software development, they think they have to do software development. That's why all my clients who work with me, I take them through a series of exercises to figure out what are their strengths. And based on those strengths, we start mapping it to different type of jobs which would align with those strengths. And based on the jobs we identify, we'll figure out whether he or she is pursuing that particular job which aligns with their strengths. If not, how do we shift to a job which aligns with their strengths? So I take them through a series of exercises to make sure that they're doing something they're more passionate about and they're more, uh, they, they get more joy from instead of just doing something else um, because they were asked to do that or somehow they ended up in the job, right? So I do take them through a series of exercises to make sure they're working the right job and then uh, figure out what their dream careers are as well. So those are the kind of people who usually uh, approach me and those are the kind of people I usually help as well. Oh, that's really mm-hmm. interesting. So companies, are they more interested in skills or degrees? Because for example, in the US or Canadian markets, it's quite different from European or African markets where people like companies, they more they care more of what school have you attend instead of the skills that you yeah, acquired so or the experience that you have? Over the past five years, the industry all over the world has shifted drastically in, the, in terms of the way they think about candidates and the way they think about what's important uh, skill set they're looking for. So b- about five years ago, till about five years ago, yeah, it was all about what you're saying it was their degree from where they graduated from. They try to see what their expertise is. And uh, yeah, it was very focused, whether they have a master's in a particular field. So it was very focused based on the specialization. But in the past five years, we have seen technology changing drastically. And if you specialize in one thing, it, it changes immediately, like within a couple of months with another technology. So the name of the game right now is being jack of all trades and master of none, where you need to know a little bit about everything so that you can adapt to any type of techno- technological change in any industry. And I think that's what people are currently looking for. They're looking for what are the different things you're exposed to. So since I'm from the tech space, some examples could be a person would know how to program or develop software. A, a person would be giving conference talks. A person would be really good in terms of volunteering and giving back to the community. So it's all these things which actually helps to helps companies make the decision. And that's, all these things boil down to one uh, particular thing, which is your personal brand. And I think your personal brand is what is more important right now. It's not just your masters. It's not just your certifications. It's not just your courses. It's not just uh, where you graduated from, but it it's all these things packaged into a really valuable, uh, attractive thing, which people can look at so that companies come to you instead of uh, the other way around, right? Just to dumb it down a little bit. So think of it this way. Say you've been buying your favorite body wash uh, for the past eight years. So what's the reason you're buying that body wash? So the reasons could be multiple where you like the fragrance of the body wash, you like the price of the body wash, you like the color of the body wash, you like the packaging, you like the durability, you like the holdability. And you, the scent that yet you saw, there's so many facets of the, the body scent. wash, is, which is making you go to it again <laughs> and again for over eight years. And our careers are the same way. It's not just because of, because of uh, you're speaking. It's about all these things packaged into one attractive thing, which people can look at. And that's what it's all about. It's how you differentiate yourself with other people. Because if you see, Currently, in the era of COVID, there are 
like the thousands of people applying for the same job. So what is going to set you apart from other people? What is going to make you more likable and more wanted compared to other people? And that's where your personal brand comes into picture. So I think that's how the industry has changed. And right now it's all about building your personal brand. So that's why when I work with clients, I do not just work on just leadership. I work on communication skills. I work on uh, time management. I work on mindset. I work on skill set. I work on technical stuff. So it's about different facets of these things, right? And also I work on social media presence because in this digital age, it's really, really important to have a social presence. Like you and me know about that and we are active on LinkedIn. And similarly, I would highly advise at least people in the professional space, in the tech space or in the health space or finance space, you should be active on LinkedIn because there, that's where your next dream job is. That's where you can build your network. In fact, my last four jobs was from LinkedIn. And it's been about nine years since I actually uh, wrote a resume and applied for a job. So that is the power of LinkedIn. So all those things you had to keep in mind if you really want to stand out from the crowd during these times. And in fact, I talk about these things in my book as well. But just since you asked, uh, I would say the personal branding is really, really important. It makes absolute sense to me because like your own branding makes all the difference in everything. Like for, like for example, our latest intern, like the, when she, she applied to, to, to join our company, when I checked to her LinkedIn, I saw that mm-hmm. she, she, she consumes Gary V's content. And you know me, I'm a big fan of Gary V. So that was like the major factor for me to take mm-hmm. for to take her as an intern for us because i know people who listen to gary v exactly that's what happens in my even business. in uh, the recruitment so that, that was space. final so let, let me set some context here since we talked about social media and standing out from the crowd i think this will be really valuable to your listeners as well so coming to linkedin people do not know that everything you put on linkedin is actually indexed by Google and is rich SEO information. So what do I mean by that? Say, for example, a recruiter is uh, looking for a software developer job or a marketing intern. They use softwares where they key in different words. Say, for example, if it's a software developer, they're going to key in words like programming, Java, uh, C Sharp, like some name of programming languages, and then some terms which people use in the tech space they key those they put in those words in the software and the software starts scanning through linkedin profiles and other social media profiles and if you have those keywords on your linkedin profile then you are going to stand out from the crowd and your name is going to show up in the first 10 results of google that's why it's so important to make sure you utilize all the sections of LinkedIn and add those keywords uh, appropriately in your about section, in your experience section, so that you your profile is more visible than other people's profile. And st- talking about standing out from the crowd, your, your, the one you mentioned is a perfect example. You saw the person was following Gary Vee's content. Similarly, that's where hiring managers also look for because if they're four software developers, both all for having masters and all for having great uh, coming out from great schools, if one person has showed uh, the proactiveness to engage with other people's content and uh, share articles or post articles on LinkedIn, he or she is going to be selected compared to the other three folks. So that's why all these small, small things which are talking about, they all make a difference. So that's why if, uh, for those of you listening, if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, just pass this podcast right now, go create a LinkedIn profile. And if you already have a LinkedIn profile, make sure all the sections of LinkedIn is uh, updated correctly as well, so that uh, you will stand out uh, in terms of your profile compared to other people.
that's so powerful and really full of wisdom about hiring. I, I like I didn't know everything related they, to that. It's really uh, good to know. Put in those keywords. In fact, a lot of people the game these uh, AI based software, what they do is I don't recommend it, but it's up to you. But I'm gonna just share this idea as well. So what they do is uh, they create their resumes in a Word document. They actually put in different keywords like programming, C-sharp, or if it's a marketing intern, she would, he or she would put HubSpot or sales funnel or some, all those keywords. And they will change the font size into white so that for the naked eye, you won't see the keyword and resume. <laughs> but when the software goes through your document it'll scan for those words and your profile will your resume <laughs> will come on the top compared to other people there's so many ways man when i start talking about recruiting and the careers it's a whole ocean about how scientifically you can game different systems <laughs> but this is the thing which people do they actually would uh, put different keywords in white font so that it blends with the white background so the naked eye won't be able to see it but the software will be able to see it so Yep. That's super smart. Like you have to to hire someone exactly. who does so that. Exactly. So me and you will that 100% person is hire smart. that person. It's, that person if, is uh, creative. Recruiters find out they're doing this, then they rejected it. Reject them because they think it's dishonest. Yeah. I don't think it's dishonest. It's about like Gary V's mentality. It's about hey, you you have to stand out from the crowd. Do whatever it takes. You're not doing anything illegal. You're just doing something which will which goes the extra mile. Who in the world does that? Only the few people who know the strategy. And now, since I now said this in your podcast, now all your listeners can know the strategy and uh, you, you could do it. And man, that's why I, that's why I love what I do. Uh, <laughs> when I help people in their career and personal development, there's a lot of signs related to it. Of course, I always start with mindset and belief system. That's number one. Otherwise, Nothing can happen if I show strategies, if I teach them strategies. If they're not ready to change, then nothing happens. But after the mindset and belief system, it's all about strategies. My whole life is about strategies. My my calendar is time block. That is a strategy. The way I do content is a strategy. The way the reason I speak at conferences is a strategy. Everything has an ideal goal. You never should do anything blindly because you always constantly have to keep asking yourself, okay, why am I doing what I'm doing right now? Is this something which will reach me towards my goals? Or is this something digressing from the goals? So you need to keep asking that to yourself. And the best way to realize that is I'm a firm believer in keeping things visual. So what I do is I map out different goals under five buckets, uh, personal, uh, health, wealth, uh, then career goals, and then business goals. And under those buckets, I have different goals. And now for under each goal, I have different tasks. And for each of those tasks, I map it to my calendar on a weekly basis, what I need to do so that at the end of the year, I'll reach that goal. So I was telling you, I'm going to give two TED Talks. The point was, it. Right now, yeah, people will know soon that I'm going to give two TED Talks. They'll announce it, announce it formally. But the point is, it took me eight months of preparation for it. I started, I said, okay, I'm going to, I want to give two TED Talks. Okay, what do I need to do for that? Then I started identifying different tasks. Okay, I identified these tasks. Okay, when am I going to do that? And then I started putting that on my calendar. And that's how you do. Even your job. Searching is a strategy. You shouldn't blindly apply for jobs. You need to uh, strategize your job application process where you should have an Excel sheet and you can download all these things from my website as well. Uh, we can put these in the show notes. And what you do is have an Excel sheet and then in the first column, have the job link. The second column, have uh, the date you applied for the job. Then third column, what's the job position then fourth column you could put the contact person fifth column should be follow-ups you should follow up for any job you apply for after seven days that's what that not a lot of people do that but if you do it you're already setting yourself 
uh, apart from the competition. So you need to have an Excel sheet where you track all these things. And that's how you strategically uh, approach your job uh, application process. So yeah, there's so many different things which people need to think of. And uh, that's what I let people know. And all these things are not rocket science. It's just that people do not think about it. But for me, being in an industry for over 15 years, um, going through so many different job positions, uh, attending over 100 plus interviews and conducting over 100 plus 100 plus interviews, I know how things work and that's why I can give results. And it's all about, yeah, everything is a strategy. Nothing should be blind. Hundred percent. I agree with you because life is about strategy and action. And if you don't do both, you are not going to win in life. Which, like you said mm-hmm. earlier, you said something and about hiring that person. Like both of us would hire that person because it's that person is so smart. And I agree with you. Which led me to think, like one of the things that always fascinates me is that the HR when they hire versus the founders when they hire. For example, the HR, they wouldn't, uh, I'm not saying all of them, but the majority of, of them, they would care more about this, the, the, the resume and what it says instead of the mindset. Yes, skills are important, but skills alone are not enough. You have, like, I'm, I'm talking about mindset. For me, what matters the most is the mindset. Like, that is a must. Like, I cannot hire someone or have an intern with really a mediocre mindset. Like, for me, that's not non-negotiable thing. Like, the mindset is the, the first thing. Then I would care or not about the skills because I know the skills, you can learn them. You can master them. But the mindset is going to be my main focus. What do you think about that kind of perspective, like HRs versus owners when they hire? Why do HR focus more on the resume itself while the, the owners, they are more oriented Yeah, that's a great distinction there. I believe that that HR folks, might. they're just doing their job. So based on their job description, they're used to hiring people in a certain way and they still try to hire in the same way. And that's what differentiates uh, HR people uh, in Google, Facebook, and Amazon compared to HR folks in other companies because the people in big companies have realized that getting good candidates is just more than one skill. It's it's multiple skill set, which we've been talking about throughout this podcast. But when it comes to founders, they're entrepreneurs like you and me. So we just talked about hiring a person who would probably look at a Gary Vee video compared to another person. And the entrepreneurs get that because when they started the company, they were in that mindset. They were inspired by people and other influencers like Gary Vee. And they know that the odds are if a person is, say, for example, watching TED Talks or have been speaking at conferences and uh, sharing content of Gary Vee, that means it shows sign of a growth mindset. So even if the person doesn't have the skill of uh, for the job, they could learn that on the job. But if you have that mindset, like we were talking about, and the aptitude to learn, that's what actually matters. And I firmly follow that even in the tech space. When I was a manager and um, I recruited my own team, I didn't give a shit about the resume. Of course, the resume will come to me. But then, for example, when I was working for Expedia, the travel booking company, I... I was uh, tasked with uh, building a team from scratch and the HR person was giving me all these resumes which said masters in computer science, masters in computer engineering. Then I'm saying, wow, you are getting resumes with all masters. Uh, I find it really interesting. So uh, did anyone without a master's actually apply for this job? I was just curious. Then she said, no, I was doing you a favor by just screening them beforehand so that you can just look at the right candidates. Then I said, you know what? I want to see all the resumes. Don't just send me the master's one because uh, I like to look at what people have done. And then 
to cut a long story short, the team I formed, this was for a software job. One person was a bachelor in uh, mathematics, BA in mathematics. I hired him because he had this really creative mind and ability to learn. And he had shown that in all of his projects where he had learned programming on his own accord to build stuff. Although he didn't officially have this master's in computer science, but he had shown me signs of uh, willing to learn. Then another person I hired was a PhD in astrophysics. (laughs) He had showed great... uh, mindset in terms of uh, fixing (laughs) complex problems with simple solutions. That's what I figured from the resume and I wanted that type of person. Another one was, uh, yeah, a normal vanilla master's in computer science person. And he had shown that uh, he likes to contribute to the community by blogging, by speaking at conferences. And I love that. And then another person was not technical at all, but he had this knack of finding issues in the software because um, looking at his different projects and what he did, I really loved his story, right? So the moral of the story was this team was one of the highest performing teams in Expedia. And uh, except for one, none of them had this master's in computer science, but they were really high performing teams. So that's why people need to realize that when you, uh, there's no use hiring an exact copy of you. You need someone with a different skill set and different mindset in your team, because only when you have different minds, you come up with creative ideas, you come up with Uh, different solutions. That's why it's very, very important that don't go strictly just by their resume. Start looking at their LinkedIn profile. Look at at who that person is. Look at who they're following. Look at what posts they're engaging. Look at what they're sharing. And those are all really important. And that's where, again, your personal branding comes into picture. What is going to set you, uh, what's going to help you stand out from the rest of the crowd? And that's what we have been talking about all, all this while. This is full of wisdom for companies that are hiring because I believe this is like the biggest asset a company can have. And if you are really interested in growing and scaling your business, you need the right people in the right seats. And how you get them to their place is by focusing on mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's for me, that's the game. And I have. Two last questions. My question is, what are your thoughts about one of the biggest misconceptions that we have in business? And I know it's going to fund a lot of people. When companies hire for I think that's one of the biggest problems in the tech industry, even in the the big companies like Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple. Because um, people are treating diversity and inclusion as a numbers game. So what do I mean by that? So every tech company are given a particular quota. They have to meet a minority quota so that they can advertise themselves as a a minority company supporting uh, the minorities. So say, for example, a company has have to fill their uh, workforce with 12% people from uh, minority communities. And they just try to see whether that person is, uh, you know, Hispanic or Asian or uh, from uh, like an underrepresented community. And then they hire and just to fill the quota. They don't, they're not valuing people for their skill set. They're not valuing people for being themselves. And I think that's the biggest problem we still have from in the DNI space. In fact, uh, some of the statistics I was reading, uh, it mentioned that the 70, 70%, 70% of the workforce is still white. And out of that 14 people, 14 uh, of them are Asians, eight are Hispanics. Uh, uh, and uh, this is this report was from the US Equal Employment Opportunity, right? And that is one aspect of diversity and inclusion, which is having a problem, which is 
treating humans as numbers and trying to fill up the seats. The second problem we are having, which we continue to have, is a problem with women empowerment as well. Based on, again, statistics, only 25% of the women are in tech, which is the same number since 1960, which is crazy. And only and only 4% 4 of the women in tech earn six-figure salaries, which is also really, really crazy. So Whoa. when all these big companies talk about women empowerment, blah, 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 there, there's still a huge problem. There's still a gender wage gap. There's still problem in recruiting uh, women in STEM jobs. So there's a lot of work which has to be done. So I believe it all starts with uh, coming up with different programs to raise awareness on these issues. And big companies have to work even harder to start treating diversity and inclusion as a real problem. Uh, it's a people problem rather than looking at us looking at it from a numbers standpoint and i think that's where it starts and um, of course a whole different conversation which may we don't may, may not have time for is the problems with diversity and inclusion people are facing as well but overall that's what i think where companies are treating diversity and inclusion as a numbers game and uh, we need to change that mindset Yeah, absolutely. And here are the two tips that they can do. First of all, ask people to send their resumes without a picture and second thing without a name. So instead of the name, they can choose a number. 100% will because have uh, that's a very, very valid point. People uh, again, big since companies. I'm a tech guy, what do you think? I, I keep uh i can give all these stats so one of the so i work with uh, artificial intelligence as well i do consulting for some companies on that and there was this study conducted by university of chicago and mit where they sent resumes to different job openings in boston and some resumes had african-american hispanic names and some resumes had white names caucasian names and they found that White Caucasian people had 50% more callbacks than people with uh, African-American names and Hispanic names, right? So that is the reason is the problem with DNI goes with the software, the recruiting software we were talking about. Yeah. It goes, it stems from there as well because people who train those AI, they themselves are not, do not have DNI in mind and they train the software with the only white Caucasian names. So the software says, you know what? These are the people we have to recruit and not people who have names like Raj or Walid <laughs> or uh, Khalid, right? So yeah, we have a deep rooted problem when it comes to DNI. It's a people, it's a, in the software, it's in the management, it's in the way we look at the issue. There's so many different issues associated with it. But I agree, if you send resumes, I think people should send resumes without their names and maybe just uh, a phone number. And uh, and uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And then people, has, they have to be judged based on how they show up to the table and what they've done instead of who they are and where they grew up from. I think that's, that's a great way to look at things. And maybe that could be the first solution to curb or reduce this problem we are currently facing. People yeah, can- it could be. So, so Raj, my last question to you is how can people first reach out is, to you? Uh, you can check out my website, which is rajsubra.com, which is R-A-J-S-U-B-R-A.com. There, I talk about how I help people, what are the different services I offer, I have testimonials, and if people are struggling in their careers, feel free to reach out to me, and all information about me can be found on my website. And the second thing is, I uh, also released my 
book last November, which is focused on the topics which we were we have been discussing so far. Uh, it's called Skyrocket Your Career, The No Bullshit Approach to Find Your Dream Job and Be Successful in It and Transform into a Rockstar. So it, I was lucky that it hit, it hit r- number five on the Amazon bestseller list thrice, and uh, it, it has helped so many people. So if you go to skyrocketyourcareerbook.com, skyrocketyourcareerbook.com, there you'll not only, uh, you can not only download the first chapter for free, but I also have a lot of templates like the job application strategy worksheet. I have a lot of sheets you can download as well. That's a way where you can download things and reach out to me. And of course, I'm always active on LinkedIn. I literally live on LinkedIn 24-7. So uh, if you just want to connect with me and just, you know, get to know each other, feel free to ping me there. Follow me there because I post regular videos and content and uh, connect with me. So those are the ways uh, you can reach out to me.